kids, they said. It will be fun, they said. Who the heck are they, anyway? As moms, we sacrifice a lot for our families, our time, our health, our wallets, our identity, friendships, personal care, and of course, our beloved sleep. Motherhood is a crazy ride, one that is not meant to be braved alone. It takes a village, right? Well, your village is here. I'm your host, Sabrina Greer, and every week I will be diving into the gray areas of motherhood with some very special guests. This is not the highlight reel, but the real deal. So reheat that cup of coffee, turn up the volume, and get ready for the reminder that you've got this, mama. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm so excited to say that again. We are here on episode three, which is amazing. So I'm your host, Sabrina Greer. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Today's episode came as a request, actually, from our listeners. (laughs) We have listeners. Um, I think it's probably because school just started and it's a huge transition for all ages. So we're going to dive into two specific age groups today that typically earn a bad reputation, teenagers being one of them. And then we're going to verse the three nagers. We'll chat similarities and differences and everything in between in hopes to empower moms to maybe, you know, that are maybe struggling with the drama of it all. Kind of like myself. As many of you know, I have both. I have an almost 13-year-old that is definitely dealing with all the feels. And I have an almost four-year-old, so full three-nager mode over there, drama daily. I've invited some amazing guests here today to share their expertise and experiences with us. They're from very two different worlds. We've got a mom with three teenagers and a mom with four kids, including uh, three-nager triplets. Ah! (laughs) But we'll get into that a bit later. Um, So we're going to talk about the the differences and the similarities, but I'm super excited about this one. But before we begin, I'm actually going to just read a quick review from our episode two, which is very exciting. Reviews are everything, guys. When it comes to a podcast, that's what keeps us alive. So I really want to give some love back to the listeners. So this is from Dr. Jillian Sawyer. I just listened to the first two episodes with my kids screaming in the background. I love what you were doing. Motherhood is such a crazy ride, and we all need these lifelines to hang on to. There's so much magic and healing in sharing our stories. I, too, have the nerdy dream of being an author one day. Such a refreshing reminder that we are not alone and that... We are all living so much of the same lives in a way. Oh, so beautiful. Melts my heart. So we're going to jump right in. I'm going to start with some introductions. So please give a warm welcome to our first guest, Sarah Rosensweet. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Sarah is a certified personal or sorry, certified peaceful parenting coach. That sounds so serene. Peaceful (laughs) parenting. She lives in Toronto with her husband and three big kids. Daughter Maxine, 11 years old. Sons, Asa, 14, and Lee, 17. Woo, crazy. Uh, Sarah helps parents become the parents they want to be with a non-punitive connection-based approach to what feels good and works too. I love that. I can't wait to hear more about that because, man, we can all use a little bit of that, I think. And we also have with us today Laura Williams. Laura is a Calgary-based mother of four children, including natural-born triplets. She grew up in Ontario and followed her heart and now husband, to the West, where they own a successful 
HVAC business. By day, she runs a full household, helps with their company, and can also be found nursing at the Alberta Children's Hospital. Wow, you don't have much going on at all, do you? <laughs> no, never. No. <Nope. laughs> She's passionate about supporting local, sustainable businesses, living a healthy lifestyle, and raising independent children. Her sense of humor and honesty make her a mom that you can relate to, and I can totally agree with that. All right. So thank you so much for being here, ladies. So awesome to have you. And thank you for sharing your stories with us today and our listeners. Yeah, yeah thanks for having exciting. us. Okay, so I'm going to start with the first question I wanted to ask you guys, because, you know, this is kind of a topic that I, I'm just so crazy about, because I have, as I mentioned, a almost teenager and a three-nager. And I just, I feel like there's so many similarities, but yet so many differences, you know, what they're interested in is different. The activities they want to get involved in are different, but definitely like the drama seems to be very similar. The t- almost tantrums or emotions that they seem to have feel very similar. So Sarah, I want to know from a brain development standpoint, what are the similarities between these two stages, if any? Yeah, it's actually super interesting because three-year-olds and teenagers are actually at a really similar point developmentally. Um, Partly it's like uh, emotionally and their place in the family, like three-nagers aren't babies anymore. They're starting to move out into the world, like going to preschool and, you know, moving away from us a little bit. Like they're not quite so dependent. They're sleeping on their own, toilet trained and all of that stuff. And teenagers are also moving out into the world, you know, a little bit more, um, concretely and and absolutely than three-year-olds are but they're not they're not like limited within the family anymore like they're they're, they have more independence and they're both of them are just testing their wings in in a new way so psychologically they're in a similar place and also brain development wise um the way the brain develops uh just a little quick lesson in brain development the the part of your brain that's responsible for emotion and the you know the fight flight or freeze um uh, response when you've, you you know there's an emergency is your amygdala and your limbic system and that's the first part of your brain to develop and the the more mature part of your brain and the more developed part of your brain is your prefrontal cortex which is your um, executive function and planning and logical thought so the um, more primitive part develops first and that's why you get like the big feelings of you know, three-year-olds and four-year-olds and the tantrums. And then as they get a little bit older, their prefrontal cortex, you know, sort of between the ages of five and seven, that starts to come online more and they sort of balance each other out. Then later in adolescence, the brain does another renovation. So you get, again, you get the amygdala and the limbic system functioning at a higher level than the prefrontal cortex so you get high emotions again so it's that same renovation but you know six or seven years later so that's really you know the very layman's term in a nutshell why the three-nagers and teenagers are very similar temperamentally crazy it's it's a legit thing it's not just they seem to act the same they actually are the same (laughs) totally Yeah, totally. They're at the same place in, in a lot wow. of ways. And Laura, I know you work a lot with teenagers in your nursing practice and you you have four kids, three of which are three years old. So what are your thoughts on, you know, their similarities and differences? Um, yeah, I'd have to agree with what Sarah said about um, the development of the brain. I also work neurology um, through my nursing practice. So I find that the brain development is really just one of the most intriguing parts but it's like the impulsiveness the irrationality that they share and that feeling of emotion um you know I always have to try and remind myself like 
it's all relative, right? Like their anger is how they're feeling their anger. Or, um, you know, if they feel like they've been hurt by one of their siblings, it's, it's, they truly do feel that way. You know, even if I feel like it's ridiculous that it was only a sip of juice taken out of the cup, it really affected them. And I have to try and remind myself of that. And like we were just discussing, you know, defining who they are, they're becoming their own people, they're realizing that they're separate entities to you, and that they get to make their own decisions. So I definitely feel like that impulsiveness is, and the irrationality are definitely two yeah. features that the three majors. And I love that word share. irrationality. I think it's so on point. Like that's exactly what it is. And I see it because I have a teenager and a three major and I see them interacting with one another and it's completely irrational. A lot of my, my friends say to me, Oh, you're so lucky you have a built-in babysitter. And honestly, I shake my head and go, are you kidding me? There's not a chance that I know. And it's because of that. There's no, it's seemingly, there's no rationality between what they're, they're doing. It just doesn't make any sense, but I have to keep reminding myself that, you know, this is a real thing. So I'm really glad we're having this conversation today because I'm sure I'm not alone out there. Laura, I love what you said about the, you know, taking the sip of juice. And I think it's the same with teenagers, like the pants that they wanted to wear are in the laundry and it's the end of the world. And I think it's really helpful to remember with both of the, both of these age groups that the drama is real. Like so many parents will say to me, oh my God, my kid is like the biggest drama queen. And I'm like, you know what? That's actually really how they're feeling right now. It's not manufactured. They're really that distraught over the juice or the pants in the laundry. Yeah. And it's like, you know, just because I've had 30 years of my life to realize that that is a ridiculous thing to lose my mind over, they've only had three years, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not quite there yet. So it's just that discovery of, you know, the, the way that life works and you don't always get what you want and that kind of stuff. But to them, you know, it's still a learning process. That's a perfect segue into, so, you know, from both of you, you know, we'll start with Sarah some techniques on how to deal with this stuff. You know, what, what are your opinions on discipline with each of these age groups? How do you get them to, to listen or to comply? You know, obviously they're, they're really exercising their independence at both age groups and they test limits and they push buttons. And, you know, how do we, how do we deal with this in a reasonable way so that we're not also having a tantrum? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think for teenagers, the the biggest, really the only thing that you have uh, to influence them is your relationship. If I could just share a quick story of something my 17 year old said to me, um, and he's he's in grade 12. He's got a ton of freedom and, you know, goes out and sleeps over at people's houses that we don't know. And, um, you know, but he's really responsible and he's really great about checking in. And he said to me the other day, mom. So many of my friends ignore their parents when they call and they don't tell them where they're going. And he said somewhat disdainfully, you're lucky I care what you and dad think. But that's totally true. Like that's what that's all you have with teenagers is your relationship with them and they have to care what you think. So in terms of discipline, like you don't you can't actually physically you know, stop them from leaving the house or force them to do things like you might have been able to when they were younger, you're really relying on your connection with them and your relationship with them. So, you know, I guess if you have, if you're listening to this and you have a teenager that you're having trouble with, like if it's easy for me to say, oh, you know, find ways to connect with them even better if you're listening to this and you have a three or four year old and you can build on that for the next 10 years. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have to, I, I totally agree. I think that um, building that relationship just from um, the younger years into the teenagers is so important. And I think that having the mutual respect for one another is a lot of where it stems from. Um, like children just, they want to be heard and they want to know that they've been heard and respected and that their opinion matters as well. And I find that, you know, even with my three-year-olds, it's like if I just take the, you know, five minutes to listen to what their issue is and show them that I hear them and I'm respecting what they're saying, um, we, we get a lot further than we would if I just try and brush off the situation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that carries on into the teenage years that if your teenager feels like you don't respect them as who they are or the decisions that they're trying to make, then, you know, that the repercussions of it are just that they don't want to respect you back either. And they don't want to listen to what you have to say either Mm -hmm. because you're not listening to them. So I feel like keeping that open line of communication or respect is, is like definitely needed, whether you have three teenagers or teenagers. For sure. And honesty too. One thing that we say in our house is, you know, anything can be forgiven except for a lie. And I feel like that really sets boundaries for, you know, honesty. These kids are exposed to so much. These teenagers, you know, they're, there's, we live in a different time and, you know, this is probably a conversation for a different podcast, but they're exposed to so much. And I just, I feel like as long as you keep open communication and the lines open for them to feel comfortable coming to you with, you know, maybe something that's a little taboo or controversial or, you know, there's a ton of topics that my son comes home and he's like, what does this mean? And what does that mean? I'm like, Oh my gosh, what? I'm not ready for that conversation. But you know, it's so important to, to build that trust. And the only way you can build that kind of trust is through honesty, I think, right. Through that relationship. So yeah, relationships are so important for sure. And starting that honesty at the very get go, like that's something that I already talked to my, my uh, three-year-olds about is like, you know, I, it's okay if you've done something wrong or if you hurt somebody, but it's not okay Mm -hmm. to lie about it. Well, I I think I think it's important too to make sure that instead of looking at consequences or punishment when your kid does come to you, no matter how old they are, um, you know, you want them to feel like you can, they can come to you and tell you the truth. And so looking at repair, like, okay, you made this mistake or you made this bad decision, whether you're three or 13 or 16, what are we going to do about it? How can we fix it? Like, how can I help you fix it if you need help? Or how can you make this up to me if you've, you know, been dishonest or, or made a mistake? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and bringing up the conversation of, okay, now what are you going to do to fix this? Mm-hmm. Like I, I try not to be the one, um, if there's an issue going on with my three-year-olds or even with my seven-year-olds to, to one of the triplets or all of the triplets, I try not to be, you know, the one who steps in. I always try and say, okay, so how could you fix that? Or what could you say to them that would help the situation? Totally. Um, and just try and get them, you know, to maneuver their way through it themselves rather than me constantly being the mediator between them. Mm. I like to try and make them figure it out themselves. Mm, I love that. Independence <laughs> in a positive way. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, so yeah. good. So on the coattails of that question, you know, is there a resource that you cannot live without? Maybe a book, a blog, a podcast. I mean, you don't have to give shameless plugs for you've got this mama because we're so new, <laughs> but something, <laughs> something that has guided your motherhood or aided you in, in some of these these techniques that you're talking about? Is there something out there that we can offer the mamas? Sarah, you go first. Um, I think Laura was about, I'm still thinking, Laura, you can go ahead. (laughs) 
I, uh, I always find it's been helpful to me to actually read mm-hmm. about brain development, um, where your kid is at and where their brain is at as far as development goes. And I feel like that's brought me back to the place of like, okay, they're not doing this to drive me crazy. They're doing this because this is where they are at in their life and where their stage is. So um, I would say definitely just kind of reading up, not necessarily on the milestones or that they should mm-hmm. be or shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff, but more so where actually is the development going from here? And just to kind of follow like your gut. Like I, I truly try to just go with what I feel is right in a situation and what's going to work best for me and my kids. Because at the end of the day, I'm the one who has to raise them and I'm the one who they're going to look up to as their role model. So I try and just go with my gut and trust my own parenting instinct for what I believe is the best decision for us as a family. I love that. It's so important. I mean, that's one of our mottos at YGT Mama. It's like, you know, just do you. (laughs) Parenting, you're Mm going to do what works for you. There's going to be a thousand ways to do something and the only right way is what works for you. So I totally agree with that. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you stumped me for a minute when you asked me that because there's so many great websites and books and resources and blogs out there for parents. And for sure, I can give you, you know, a list for, for your resources for this uh, podcast. But I think what really guides me more than, um, you know, sort of like Laura with her, with the, the keeping a big arch overarching view of brain development, what really guides me and in the work that I do with parents is to remember that, that, um, everyone's doing the best they can we're doing the best we can and our kids are doing the best we can and that kids really want to be good. And if there's, um, if they're not, there's a reason for it, whether it's, you know, brain development, they're tired, they're feeling disconnected, like whatever it is, if we can always remember that, that our teenagers are doing the best they can and our three-year-olds are doing the best they can, it really puts us in such a more patient and compassionate place um, that I found that like, that's really what I always come back to, like in my personal life and in my work. Amazing. And Sarah, you mentioned, um, in another conversation that we were having that you had a resource for mamas that had something to do with not screaming at your kids. It sounded like something I, I <laughs> felt like something I need right now because <laughs> patience yeah, is struggling so- with, I, I'll be totally honest. Patience is, has been tough for me with a three-nager and a teenager. I, I do feel like my blood boils quickly way more quickly than it ever has before. And, you know, we talk a lot in the books and on the blog about self-care and, you know, taking a time out for yourself and really just, you know, giving yourself a moment to cool down and be like, okay, you know, they really are dealing with something and those feelings are real and all of those things you said. But when you're in the thick of it, it's it's easier said than done, right? It's hard to just be like, oh, yes, okay. So any anything totally. you have to offer, I think would be great. I'd love to hear a little bit about what you do and then also hear about the resource. Sure. So, um, I, I work one-on-one with parents and I also teach workshops in the GTA, the greater Toronto area. Um, and I, I work with parents all over the world because of the, you know, wonders of the modern internet with video conferencing and Skype. So, um, I basically just help parents who either want to learn more about a, a different, method of parenting, which peaceful parenting, or if they're struggling because their kids are more challenging temperamentally. And let me tell you, some kids are just born more challenging. Some kids are just born easier. And that's totally real. Like you can look, you can have a challenging kid and look at your neighbor, your sister and think like, why am I struggling? And they're they have it so easy. Some kids are just more challenging. Um, and, you know, one of the things also that in, in peaceful parenting, which is the approach that I practice and that I teach, the first 
sort of pillar of peaceful parenting is what we call self-regulation and self-care is certainly a big part of that. And self-regulation is basically like you can be so mad and frustrated and like just about to lose your mind with your child because we've all been there and we we that happens to everyone. But in that moment, you can figure out how to not act on that feeling. So you want to like grab your kid and scream in their face because you're just you've had it. You're up all night with the baby, whatever. But you can figure out a way to take a minute, calm yourself, um, you know, tell yours to have a, a mantra. And this is everything that I go through in the resource that you're mentioning, which is a free e-course of how to stop yelling at your kids. It's 21 days because it does take, you know, it's an email a day for 21 days. It takes some time to change a habit. Um, and especially if we were yelled at at kids, that often becomes our go-to, um, you know, what, what you do when tensions are running high is you yell because you were yelled at. Um, but even if you weren't yelled at, sometimes that's just like, you know, you lose, lose your patience in the moment. Um, but self-regulation is really just about figuring out how to manage your own feelings so that you don't take them out on your kid. Um, we were talking earlier about connection and about how important connection is. And if you're yelling at your kid all the time, you're going to be breaking that connection and they are feel scared of you and hurt feelings and you're going to feel bad and feel bad about yourself. And, um, so really like looking at that piece is sort of where I always start with parents. Like, how's your self-regulation? Okay. Let's start with that. Let's work on how you can calm yourself in the moment so that you can deal with the situation without yelling at anyone. Oh, that's so good because, you know, I really do some days I'm just like, okay, I need to calm down. What is wrong with me? Because I've never felt this sort of wound up and I, I do find myself consciously coming back to, or I think I'm going to take your course because man, it's, it sucks because how do we, you know, we're trying to lead by example and we're trying to teach these kids how to self-regulate and how to react appropriately. And, you know, when we're yelling and screaming and freaking out, it's not doing that, right? It's not leading by a positive example. It's showing them how to do exactly what we don't want them to do. Totally. It's like hitting someone to tell them exactly. not to hit. Yeah. It was <laughs> Um, but you know what, Sabrina, you're so not alone. Cause so many parents say to me, like I had such a, I was so, you know, I was so calm before I had kids. Like I never got upset and kids are just like, they're, they're like little mirrors to show us all of our, like all of our faults and all of our issues that we haven't worked on. And they really push our buttons. And, and, and I try and turn that around for parents. Okay. So what's the opportunity here? Like, what is it that this child is showing you that you need to heal about yourself? Like where, where's this, like, what, what's your child showing you? You get given, I'm not really like, I'm not a religious person at all, but I really think, feel like you get given the child that you need to work on whatever you need to work on in your life. Mm, I love that. That's so powerful. Well, Laura, I want to ask you, yeah. I mean, four kids is one thing, but three exactly the same age dealing with exactly the same drama that we're talking about. I can't even imagine. I know parents that really, really struggle with one kid. And I know, Sarah, you just mentioned that like all kids are different. Some kids are easier than others. I'm sure that also happens within the family dynamic where one kid can be much easier than the other, um, even if they're siblings. But how... I'm sure you get this question a lot, but how do you do it? How do you, how do you stay sane? What does a day in the life of Laura with four kids look like? <laughs> mm -hmm. It's chaos. Um, there's definitely yelling that goes on at times, but um, I don't know. You just kind of do it. I always say, you know, it's, it's so 
strange to everybody else and it's so different to everybody else. But to me, it's, it's my everyday. And I always say to other moms, like you would do it too. It's just, you just wake up in the morning and this is how you live. But it's definitely a lot of, um, reminding myself to stay calm and, um, yeah, just kind of taking those five seconds before I react. And that's not every time, like, I'm not going to lie. I'm no saint. I yell at my kids. I did it today. You know, it's just, it happens. They push your buttons like nobody else can, but you have to remember that they are, like you just said, Sarah, little mirrors and they will mirror your exact reactions and the way that you handle your anger. And I try to remind myself of that. Like I, I want to raise people that know that their emotions are okay and it's okay to feel angry and it's okay to be upset. Um, but it's not okay to react, um, in such a dramatic fashion or to be yelling and screaming in somebody's face. That's just, you know, not, not an acceptable way to deal with your emotions. It's okay to have those emotions, but we have to deal with them in a better way. And I always just try and say like, let's find a better way to communicate or let's find a better choice of words to use, um, just to bring everybody back down. And I'm a big believer in like just taking in a minute so we do for kind of if I'm feeling overwhelmed um, or they're being overwhelmed, you know, by each other or they're tired or things like that. Um, we don't necessarily like do so many time outs as in, oh, you're sitting here for this amount of time. But it's more of a time out to regroup and get their emotions in check. And for me as well. So I just try and just remind myself of that, like they're three and they're looking at me for guidance on how to handle these emotions that they're feeling. So it's definitely chaos, but I don't know, it just becomes your everyday life. And I don't like to do things that I'm not good at. So I'm going to be a damn good (laughs) mom if I have to be. Laura, we call those a time in and peaceful parenting. I like that. Oh, time in. Oh, see, I'm changing my language. Like I just said, you got to find a better way um, to word it or a better way to communicate. So we're having a time in. I like that. Nice. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So I learned a fun fact about you, Sarah. You live or lived on the Toronto Island? I live there, yeah. You live there now. That's so crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. For those listeners that don't know, that aren't local, the Toronto Island, like you actually have to take a ferry to get there, to get to the mainland of Toronto. It's so beautiful. I actually have friends that lived on the island as children growing up and absolutely loved it. Um, But how do you find that with teenagers? You know, they obviously have a different sort of scheduling. There's no high school on the island. You know, how much freedom do you give your kids? And do you have any sort of navigating tips for parents dealing with that whole freedom piece, how to sort of let it go? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I guess it's like a little bit more in your face, the the freedom that they have to have as teenagers. It's, it's, if they didn't, if we didn't live on the Island, it would be easier to tell myself that, that I know where they are more than I do. But you know what I mean? Like, since they're actually like a ferry ride away and the last ferry is 1130 at night, um, you can imagine that most teenagers would like to, you know, they like to stay out past 1130 at night. And as I mentioned earlier, lots of times my son will be spending the night at a friend's house that we don't know. And for the first few years, I'd, I would say, give me his mom's number. And I would text the mom and say, is that okay? Blah, blah, blah. And at this point, you know, he's never, ever given us a reason not to trust him. Um, and he's a great kid and he's, he's at home a lot. Like he, you know, he has all his, he plays a lot of music and he's got all his instruments at home and he hangs out with us. And so I, I really, you know, he, when he's out, he's out and I just try not to worry. Um, 
I said to somebody once, and I, and I really think this is true. Having teenagers is like closing your eyes and stepping off the edge of a cliff and hoping that it's not too high. Like you, <laughs> you really just have to take this leap into the dark and hope that everything that you've done in the first 12, 13 years has put them in a position that, that they'll make good choices when they are out and they're away from you. Um, and really, you know, I, I know there are a lot of parents who keep a way closer rein on their teenagers, but these are the years that they're practicing freedom. Like they're actually going to be, you know, my son could actually be gone in a year and living on his own. And so right now, you know, we kind of live as if he's, my husband calls him our eccentric roommate. Um, and <laughs> we, we sort of look at it that way, you know, he's our eccentric roommate and, um, and he's, he, he's very respectful about letting us know where he is, but we're, he'll, he'll be like, I'm going out. I said, who are you going out with? You know, Jake, where are you staying? I'm staying at Jake's. Okay. Have fun. Make good choices. See you tomorrow. Um, so knock on wood, it's been, and and really my 14 year old, he's just starting grade nine. So he's really just starting this. Um, and I'm hoping that it's been, it will be as, smooth with him as it has been with my older son. But yeah, living on the island definitely complicates things. They can't come home at one in the morning. Um, they have to find a place to stay or they have to come home at 11. So, but man, that view. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. We love living here. Yeah. Like it's so, and sometimes my teenagers will be like, there's nothing to do here. But my middle son, um, we just had a, a party for his baseball team and all the parents on the weekend and they came over and he and all his baseball teammates who all live in the city, they all went out. They went, um, they went jumping off the bridges at Algonquin Island and they went down and went swimming in these giant waves and there's nobody around on the island in the night. And, you know, they, and when he came back, they were, they were all like, they'd had such a good time. They were all cold and wet and covered with sand and, I said to my son later, like, do you still think it's not fun to live here? He's like, no, it's pretty good. (laughs) That sounds like our childhood, right? Before this whole wave of technology when you could just ride your bike and go where you wanted to go. And yeah, it's very, I will say shopping for a family of five on your bicycle is challenging. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can imagine. Wow. Crazy. Um, Laura, you have three, three-year-olds to entertain. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? Um, yes. I know I'm not the only mama asking. I mean, I have a hard time entertaining one. It's the <laughs> same with the teenager. It's like, I'm bored. Just like Sarah just said, I'm bored and you know, nothing to do. I find the same with three-year-olds, you know, of course you can create activities and you can do things, but what would some of those activities look like for you? Do you have anything that you do specifically that your kids just love times three? Yeah, we, um, yeah, yeah, no, I totally do. We definitely spend a lot of our time outside of the house. Um, I try and do as many things with them as I possibly can. When I found out that we were having triplets, I really thought like, this is, this is the end. This is it for me. I'm never going to be able to eat out again. Like we're never going out for dinner again. How can I grocery shop? Like, you know, you just go through all of these scenarios in your mind and none of it's going to be possible. Um, but I try and treat them all as if they were just an, uh, you know, a normal individual baby. So I bring them absolutely everywhere with me. But one of the biggest things that changed, uh, the way, that we function as a family was when we got a YMCA membership. So I would say um, getting a, 
a membership at your local community center or your YMCA or something like that that offers some type of drop-in play program so that during those cold winter months you can be out of the house and not be you know selling a kidney yeah. to be able to take your children places is a really good way to do it <laughs> um, libraries we really utilize all of the libraries in the city Calgary is an amazing city as far as our libraries are concerned so we try and go to just different libraries all the time I try and go to different playgrounds so checking out different playgrounds throughout the city um, even if it means driving 40 minutes it's okay because it's a new experience for them and uh, it just really you know changes the game and keeps them occupied for the day and then if we do have you know a day inside or a few days where it's really cold and we don't really have much going on just you know trying to utilize every different area of the house like if you know they're getting they're getting tired of playing upstairs okay well let's go in the basement and switch it up and do that for a little bit or let's go out and jump on the trampoline or we also have a playground right behind our house so that is so helpful but I just try and stay outside as much as I can and just take them to do things take them to the grocery store with you you know like that kind of your everyday running around take them into the registry and make them wait in line and behave i just picture you in the grocery store with three oh three-year-olds i'm sorry <laughs> i get two in the cart one on my back and if i have my seven-year-old with us she's walking beside two i must so feel like you have like a troop of monkeys yeah, I, um, it's definitely like, sometimes it's like herding feral cats for sure. Um, and I would say like they're, yeah, we're like a walking circus. Like we're like, you know, when you see like the 50 clowns getting out of a car, that's us. <laughs> we just keep coming. It's just another baby and another one and another one. <laughs> oh man, it's so crazy. Triplets. I still, I'm still having a hard time with that. I'm just getting my head around it. Wow. Crazy. Okay. So I have one last question that I want to ask both of you. And that's, it's a big one. It's kind of a tough one to answer. So just, it could be a small answer or a big answer. You know, maybe you'll have something that'll blow everyone's mind, but don't worry if you don't. Is there one thing that you would tell a mama about to enter this crazy season of life? If you had, like, if you wish you knew one thing that somebody could have told you, what would you tell the moms that are about to either get into the three-nager phase or the teenager phase? You know, I'm one of them, so I'm interested too. Is there some sort of magical preparation tool or, you know, just something that sort of has kept you grounded and helped you through that, that you wish you could share with everyone? I think when my kids were little, this, uh, they were, I don't know, maybe sort of like one, four, and seven. I my husband was in school full time and I was staying at home with them. And I, I felt like every day I was like thinking about the future and that when it was going to get easier and when, you know, they weren't going to be so demanding. And, and I suddenly realized one day that I felt like I was missing it because I wasn't enjoying my life in the, like, it sounds so cheesy, but I wasn't like living in the moment. I'm sorry. That sounds super cheesy now that I said it out loud, but I had to tell myself, like I, I developed this mantra, which actually one of my girlfriends had a t-shirt made for me that said it, which was, this is it, which was kind of like, this is your life right now. Like you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Um, but this is it. Like, this is your life. This is what you're living and try and enjoy something. Even if it's something really small about the, you know, crazy moments when your kids are little, just try and find something that you can appreciate and something that you can, um, that you can feel like today, you know, this is it, this is your life today and not just looking towards the future when things are going to get easier. Uh, 
Oh, I love that. I don't think it's cheesy at all. I actually, I really love the quote, um, the days are long, but the years are mm-hmm. short. I think it's so true. Like when you're in the thick of that early motherhood phase, like the three-year-old phase where they're not in school yet, they're still home with you all day, potentially, you know, especially with three, I, I doubt they're all going to daycare. Um, you know, it, it feels like very repetitive and it can be really exhausting and really isolating and really feel really hard. But you know what? The years are short. It's like I, I blink and my middle child just started junior kindergarten full time. So now he's gone to school. He's school age now. And, and that to me, it just blew my mind that all of a sudden, you know, he was home with me all day just last year. And now all of a sudden he's gone all day. Like it's, it's very crazy. So yeah, just reminding yourself to be present and find the joy in, in all of it. Right. Because as much as the, the bad things are temporary. So are the totally. good things, right? Yeah, don't even get me started. I'll yeah. start bawling my head off, but I've got like, you know, minor, <laughs> minor on their way out now. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. Crazy. And like, like you just said, Sarah, that really resonated with me. Like, this is it. Like, especially for me, like these mm-hmm. are my last babies. So I try not to look ahead and think like, Oh, I can't wait for this. I can't wait for this. I try and just enjoy where they are because I'm not going to get to experience this stage again, right? Your babies are only three once you don't get to go back here. So it's like, try and laugh with them and like live in the moment with them and just appreciate who they are and appreciate the chaos that they bring to your life. And just remember that this is not going to be where they are forever. And that stage that you keep looking for is going to come so much sooner than you expect. Um, and it's just, you know, I try and remind myself that like, I get to do this. I get to take care of my four kids. I'm lucky enough that I get to be home with them. I'm lucky enough that they're healthy and that I, you know, that I'm healthy and that I can chase after them. And it's just like, you have to appreciate that, Yes, your days are hard and the nights are long and, you know, they've peed on the floor again, but they're (laughs) not going to be peeing on your floor forever. Right. So like just appreciate where you are in your life and just be thankful and have that mindset that like you don't have to do this. You get to do this. Totally. Yeah. Embrace the chaos. Mm -hmm. Embrace the chaos. Yeah. Be good at it. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that so much. Well, usually at the end of the show, um, I ask our mamas a series of questions just for fun and so we can get to know you a little bit. And it also sort of exposes a lot of helpful tips for our moms just through, you know, sharing your reality. Um, so I'm going to start with those. Um, we'll do Sarah first and, and Laura after. So what is your morning routine? <laughs> And I know this is going to be so different for both of you. Um, all my people leave the house at different times and I generally make lunch for everybody. So between seven, six forty-five or seven and eight forty-five or nine, I've just got a rotating, um, people getting up and people getting their breakfast and lunches and out the door. And I try and drink a couple cups of tea while that whole thing is going on. But I've just given myself over to the first two hours of the day are all about getting everyone out the door. So I'd love to have a more romantic morning routine, but for me, it's all about getting the people fed and getting the people out. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I would have to say that my routine sounds eerily similar to Sarah's. <laughs> it's getting everybody fed, getting everybody out the door, um, trying to get, you know, a coffee in if I can before it's too cold. Um, so we do, you know, after our school drop offs and whatnot, that we usually do a second breakfast because, well, we all know how three nagers are always hungry. <laughs> hey, another similarity to teenagers. Right? <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> You should have asked us what our ideal morning routine looks like. It would have been a lot more um, interesting. It's, it's yeah, a lot more uh, stimulating. No, I like no, that. No, I like that. I like the reality of it. Um, okay, so if time, money, or scheduling were not an issue, what would one thing you would check off your bucket list be? Oh, I've always wanted to go someplace um, – like India or Thailand or Vietnam with the whole family. And, you know, my son, this is last year of high school. We're sort of hoping next year we might be able to make it happen, but that's really, really what I like to do. Like go someplace totally out of the, or, you know, someplace really different from our everyday lives altogether. Nice. That was what I was originally going to say, but then I got a little <laughs> bit selfish and I thought my boobs, I would get my boobs done. <laughs> That's awesome. There we go. I think selfish is okay in this. This is a bucket list thing. But it's so funny. Every time I ask the moms, you know, what they want to do, it's always, you know, oh, I would retire my husband or I would, you know, do this with the kids or I would do Doctors Without Borders. So it's so funny. Moms are just naturally unselfish people. So I'm glad you have a selfish one. That's good. And it's not selfish. Your body's been through a lot. Yeah, right. And three babies. Yeah, those, those, yeah. These little things are gone. Sure, okay, I want, I want a facial once a month. If we're going to be totally honest here. There we go. <laughs> I love it. So good. Okay. One parenting hack that you cannot live without. This can be a product, a rule, an item, anything. It can be small, big, you know, it doesn't have to be completely mind blowing. Just something that has really helped you that you can share with the mamas out there to help them as well. Um, mine is if mama's not happy, no one's happy. And that goes mm -hmm. to when you go camping, mama gets the thickest air mattress. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I, right up there with the, if mom's not happy, then you're not happy. I always tell any of my girlfriends with new babies or young kids, um, whatever causes you less stress is best. And mm -hmm. my one product that I probably could not live without would be my Ergo baby carrier. I have had it mm. since Lena was a baby and, um, I use it all the time still with the triplets. Even we took Lena to Japan when she was three years old and I literally carried her around on my back the entire time with that ergo. So I you think know, my, that my youngest lived in the ergo for three and a half years, at least four years, maybe like she never napped anywhere, but in the ergo with the two, having two older brothers. So she, every meal I cooked, she was in there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's nice to have one that fits them when they're a little bit older too, right? When they're not just little tiny babies. And so comfortable. Mm -hmm. I just, I find it so comfortable. So that would be my number one product go-to for sure. Awesome. Okay. What is one crutch that you can't live without? So, you know, coffee, that's mine. Everyone knows that. <laughs> We've only did two episodes and everyone knows I'm a full on coffee <laughs> nut. Um, you know, wine, potato chips. What, what's one thing that you, that's considered a vice that you maybe couldn't live without or wouldn't want to live without? Um, 
Well, I'll say one healthy one just to balance out the unhealthy ones that I'll say. One, mm-hmm. I, I go running like a couple miles, maybe four times a week. And that is my serious sanity saver just for my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have to do it or I start getting really anxious and cranky. Um, and my sort of unhealthy vice, I guess, would be a tie between my morning tea and my evening wine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No. Um, yeah. don't, don't they say a glass of red wine a day is actually good for what you? What about three? Is that still good for you? Yeah, yeah I think okay. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I'm definitely a coffee lover. I love a good Starbucks. Um, for me, protein shakes are a huge go-to, and they're probably a crutch in my day every day. I just never find the time to eat in the morning. So I'm always making myself a protein shake just to make sure that I'm getting something into me and I'm not just drinking coffee on an empty stomach. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be that mom sex. I have to, yeah. I have to yeah. throw that one in there because I feel like it just keeps me to be a happier person. You know what? You give me hope that sex is on your, <laughs> your crutch list because you've had four kids, honey. Four kids. I know, but you got to so stay together. We'll, we'll have you back for another episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so the last question, and this one is just so important, I think. So one self-care ritual that you practice that you would recommend to other moms, um, you know, is it a bath? Is it a walk in nature? Uh, I know, Sarah, you mentioned exercise. That's been a really common one, I find, um, because it's something that we don't typically take the time to do. It's the one thing that gets sort of pushed aside and, you know, oh, maybe tomorrow or maybe the next day or maybe the next day or, you know, life happens and two months later, I forgot to work out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, what's, what's one self-care ritual that you would recommend for other moms? Well, definitely. I mean, my personal two are exercise and time alone, but I'll just say something about exercise. Like I work with Sonia. I was like, I don't have time to exercise. Like, well, go out in the backyard or to a park and chase your kids around for 20 minutes. Like it's not the gym and it's not time alone, but you're still getting your heart rate up. Um, and getting, you know, your blood moving and you're also connecting with your kids at the same time and getting everyone laughing. So even if you don't think that you have time for exercise, you might be able to just fit in like, you know, 20 minutes of chasing the kids around every day, which will be something, you know, it's not the same as an aerobics class or whatever. Um, but also for me, time alone is so crucial. Like as an introvert, if I don't get a little bit of time alone every day, I start to get super cranky. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Time alone, when especially when you have teenage kids, I can only imagine you need a little bit well, of time alone. Well, it's hard too because they often, you know, I'll be in my office working and one of them will come in and plop himself down on the chair and, oh, hi, mom. You know, and, and you when you have teenagers, you have to learn to um, take the connection time when they're willing to give it. So you can't say like, sure. oh, can you come back later? I'm busy. I'm working because then you, in there, invariably you go and say, oh, what did you want to talk to me about? Oh, nothing. You know, the moment's passed and you've missed it. So you really have to just take that um, take that time that they want to connect with you when they're willing to do it. You have to be flexible. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. How about you, Laura? Um, for me, for me, it's stretching. Mm. 
I, um, I used to practice a lot of yoga and since the triplets have come along, getting to a class just isn't, um, something that I do. I mean, I work out and I exercise because there's child minding at my community center that I go to, but I've really found stretching makes a world of a difference for me. Um, even if it's literally just, you know, hanging and touching your toes for a few minutes or, um, just, just trying to take that five minutes to kind of slow your body down, slow your breathing down, um, stretch it out. It just releases a lot of tension for me. So I find that that is so helpful throughout my day. Yeah, I totally agree. I love stretching too. And it's, it's so good. Like you can even stretch with your kids, I find, because that's something that, you know, my 12 year old is super active and he does a lot of sports, but he doesn't stretch enough, I don't think. So just doing stretches with him and modeling that with him, I think it's, it's really positive. Yeah. Stretching is a good one. Well, ladies, that is the end of the show. So thank you so, so much for being here. That's so helpful. If there's anything that you want to share with the listeners before we say goodbye, please feel free to do so now. Um, All of the resources and things that you've mentioned today will be on the show notes on the blog at www.ygtmama.com. So we will definitely have uh, your resources and any of your tips and quotes and things that are helpful to the mamas up there just to recap. Um, one of the books, how we were talking about uh, reading about brain development, one of the ones that was the first one that I read, um, and I've read a few other ones since, but it was called Welcome to Your Child's Brain. Mm, fun. Um, and I found that that was a very easy breakdown, layman's terms, totally understandable. Um, and it really kind of gave you the step by step. Um, and that was a really good way for me to understand, again, that they're not doing it to to upset you. They're just, that's where they are in their life. So I found that that was a really great book to kind of start off with. If you're looking for something, um, to, to read, that's going to give you, give you a good idea about, about where their development wise is. Amazing. I'm good. I think, uh, I think we covered a lot. It was really nice to meet you, Laura. And thank you so much for having me on Sabrina. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yes. Thank you both so, so much. And I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in today uh, to the You've Got This Mama podcast, episode three. Please go over to iTunes and subscribe, subscribe to the tribe and, you know, rate us. Rating is a great way to keep us up on the board. So people, more people can find this awesome podcast and, you know, have all the lovely tips that our mamas share with us and yeah just thank you all so much we are loving the support and this is amazing so we will chat soon ladies thank you thank you thank you so much for tuning in i'm sabrina greer your host and you've been listening to you've got this mama the podcast You can follow us at YGT Mama and join our conversation on Instagram and Facebook. To get more information on the stories we share here, our books, the blog, our community, head on over to www.ygtmama.com. You can also access the show notes. If you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your daily listen and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us so much and we value every single review. We also have a special gift for our subscribers. I would like to thank our production team and Megan Krampotic, our producer, for making this happen. Thank you so much to all of you for giving us your ear and tune in next week 
In the meantime, please, please remember, Mama, you've got this. 